From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Jody Heiss, Senior Advisor to the President at the Family Research Council. Very honored to be sitting in for Tony on this Friday, the 13th edition of the program, and sincerely want to thank each of you for joining us. We've got an incredible program coming up on Washington Watch this evening. To begin with, yesterday, U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland appointed a special counsel to investigate President Biden's handling of confidential documents. No doubt, this is going to send shockwaves throughout the nation's capital with some political reverberations that will be felt throughout the coming weeks and probably months. I strongly believe that the normal processes of this department can handle all investigations with integrity. But under the regulations, the extraordinary circumstances here require the appointment of a special counsel for this matter. We'll be discussing this and much more with Congressman Scott Perry here in just a few moments. And then the recent GOP control of the House of Representatives obviously brings with it a whole slate of new congressmen, uh, congresswomen to Washington. Many of them stand boldly with Family Research Council's message of faith, family, and freedom. I'm going to be honored tonight to introduce one of those to you, Tennessee Congressman Andy Ogles. He'll be joining us a little bit later in the program. And then yesterday on the program, Nate Hockman from National Review shared with Tony about how the transgender lobby literally bought its way into the South Dakota legislature. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You have paid individuals from Sanford that are legislators? Not just paid individuals, but paid lobbyists whose specific payment is to lobby the legislature. They are also elected lawmakers because it's a sort of part-time job in South Dakota, which to me seems like an enormous conflict of interest. Do, do they recuse themselves from voting on issues that are of interest to Sanford? Not only do they not recuse themselves, but they actually actively champion the efforts to kill a lot of these bills. Absolutely fascinating. And by the way, if you missed the interview, you'll want to check it out at TonyPerkins.com. And just this morning, along those lines, there was a peaceful demonstration that took place outside the third annual Midwest Gender Identity Conference in South Dakota in order to protest harming children with irreversible gender modification practices. Here in just a little while, we'll be joined with the rally's organizer to talk more about that. And with the way things move in today's media environment, it's easy to forget that just one week ago, hard to believe, but just one week ago, the House GOP was still at an impasse deciding on who was going to be the 55th Speaker of the House. Well, like many of you, I also believe in the power of prayer. And I know that many of you, many people all over the country were praying, calling out to the Lord regarding that situation. But what you may not know is many members of Congress were also praying. There's quite an amazing story that took place on the House floor that you'll want to hear about, and we'll bring that your way here in just a few moments. And just a reminder, if you can find the details of this show, uh, you can find details of this show and past shows at TonyPerkins.com. 
So don't forget that. TonyPerkins.com. If you miss any part of today's program, you'll be able to find it right there on the website. And by the way, don't miss your chance right now to get a copy of Tony's new book, Jeremiah, Courage in a Cancel Culture. This 40-day study guide unpacks lessons from Jeremiah and his bold stand for truth, uh, the Lord's warnings about judgment, as well as some of the most hope-filled promises in all of the Bible. So here's we're beginning a new year. Jumpstart your faith by texting Jeremiah to 67742 and get your copy today. You don't want to miss that. All right, uh, the White House, not uh, surprisingly so, but as has in many times in the past, yet again, has been evasive to many questions that have been raised by yesterday's appointment of a special counsel to investigate President Biden's handling of classified documents. Hit clip three, Do please. you acknowledge that the fact that the White House did not reveal this to the public, despite the fact that you've known about it for months, undercuts the president's promise of being transparent with the American but here's the thing. They were transparent. There was, there, there was transparency in doing what you're supposed to do when these, when these items were discovered. Not with the American people. Look, we, I'm here standing in front of you answering these questions, right? Wow. That was White House Press Secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre. But with former President Trump currently undergoing a similar investigation, I believe the political fallout here is likely going to dominate the headlines in coming weeks. Uh, could President Biden possibly possess even more classified documents than what we already have? It's a good question. Also, how should Congress respond to all of this? Well, joining me now to discuss this is U.S. Representative Scott Perry. He serves on the House Foreign Affairs Committee, also on the House Transportation and Infrastructure Committee. But probably most notable, uh, he is a chairman of the House Freedom Caucus and a good friend. Uh, Representative Scott Perry from Pennsylvania's 4th District. My friend, thank you so much for joining us this evening on Washington Watch. Well, Jody, it's great to be with you and the Family Research Council. And uh, I just can't help but thinking that, as the left always does, they act like saying something is the same thing as doing something. So, you have the president's spokesperson saying, I'm being transparent with you uh, and acting like that's following the law or that's actually being transparent. Uh, let's let's face the facts here. The, the White House and the executive branch withheld the information regarding the the uh, discovery, so to speak, of these documents for a couple months now. Right now, it's it's mid-January. They found these just prior found these just prior to the November election. Uh, so they're not being transparent, but they're trying to claim they are. And we need to be able to see the difference between actions and words. Deeds speak much out, much louder than words do. And what you see here, Jody, we have talked about this many, many times as colleagues and good friends, is this double standard of justice. One standard for those that are the elites who are well-connected, who say the right things, and one for the rest of all of America that's out there working hard every day to pay their taxes and follow the rules, uh, you know, and, and just yet again, we wake up in another example of two standards of justice. Absolutely. You, you hit it uh, straight on the head, Scott. Uh, well, let me let me ask your opinion about the appointment of the special counsel. What, what's your what's your thoughts? That good idea. Is it going to move in the right direction or no? 
Well, look, the, the left is already screaming, uh, saying that, you know, this guy can't be impartial because he's a Trump appointee. I think his name is her. And, you know, they, they never claim, they never cry their eyes out when they, when they use partisan politics to go after Republicans. But now, just with the, the scent that this guy might have voted the wrong way once in his life, well, he can't be the special counsel for this uh, for this this episode, this chapter in in corruption in Washington D.C. We have to trust that the Justice Department is going to do the right thing on all occasions. And look, I will say that I'm happy that they have appointed a special counsel. It's the right thing to do. Classified documents are nothing to be trifled with. And as a person who has held a top secret security clearance for over three decades as a military officer, we know that will be thrown in jail first and questions will be asked later. And somehow, for six years, these documents, the ones that we knew of, that they, we took their word for, that they were doing the right thing, were out in the open for six years at the Penn Biden Center, where it was run by the ambassador to the OCE. That guy is, uh, you know, there are foreigners walking in and out of the place all day long. There was no Secret Service protection there. There was no, uh, th there was no skiff there. There's no protection at all for America's secrets right out in the open. And then we took their word for it. That was all there was. And then a day later, we find more. How do we know how many there are? When is the raid on President Biden's home and, uh, and surroundings going to happen like it did to President Trump if we're going to have equal protection and equal, equal application of the law? When is that going to happen? Well, that's a great question, and I did see today it appears that this is going to be the first investigation coming from the House Judiciary Committee, and I'm really thrilled to see that. Uh, but look, you're, you're exactly right. The double standard is uh, not only offensive, it's outright wrong. It is a disgrace to justice. And in the Trump situation, uh, of course, we, we had demands for a special prosecutor, but now all of a sudden this case for, with the left appears to be with Biden uh, a, a nothing burger. I mean, Democrats are saying that the president's been doing right uh, on, on this issue. In fact, uh, we've got a clip here, uh, Scott. Let me play this from uh, uh, Hakeem Jeffries uh, with an exchange he had just yesterday with a reporter. On the classified documents, we've learned that President was informed of the initial classified documents on the same day they were found more than two months ago. Are you concerned the White House didn't disclose this sooner? I have full faith and credit in President Biden. I uh, believe that he's doing everything to take the appropriate steps to determine what happened uh, and how to move forward in a responsible fashion. How convenient quickly, it is. Scott, I want to I hit on a couple of other things. We only got a couple of minutes, but yeah. your response real quickly to that. How convenient it is. Uh, two months, uh, the, the President Biden has said they, they've responded quickly. For six years, these have been out there, and President Biden, now President Biden, had no ability to classify or unclassify or declassify any of these documents. President Trump, as the president, is the classifier, was the classifier. Something is very, very wrong here. There needs to be an accountability. Absolutely. And uh, I'm excited to see that uh, you guys are going to be able to do that. If we can shift gears a little bit, and I wish we sure. could just have you on for the entire program with with, the, with these things, but uh, even some House Democrats joined uh, you and some Republican colleagues yesterday to pass some legislation prevent, preventing the Biden administration from selling any more oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserves, the uh, SBR, to China or uh, Chinese-owned 
companies, but there are those like Sheila Jackson Lee who didn't go along with this. Look at this clip. The American people are listening. They want an executive who can make decisions that will block the Russians uh, from absolutely crippling us. They want a president who can utilize this reserve. It's so, so astounding. Uh, so yeah, astounding their hypocrisy. It's so astounding their hypocrisy, Jody. You sat many times like I did and watched it. Blocking Russia, this president is the one that allowed Nord Stream 2 to go forward while stopping the Keystone pipeline. This president has used the strategic petroleum reserve reserved for national emergency for natural emergencies and national security threats to make sure that America has the energy it needs, yet he used it politically to make sure he drove down gas prices prior to an election. Selling it to China is not in the United States' best interest, whether we have extra or not. China has called the, uh, America their enemy. And so Sheila Jackson Lee, look, we're used to this, Jody. You and I are used to this. They talk big about China, but when it comes to actually doing something about it, they can't be found. And now they're being forced to pop their head up and show who they really are. Absolutely. Scott, we 30 seconds. Uh, yeah. where, where do you see the House right now with the election of Kevin McCarthy, the negotiations that took place? Are we in a good, uh, good place? The House is in the strongest position it has been in my lifetime to stop the shenanigans that you and I had to deal with, the 4,000-page, 2 o'clock in the morning, $1.7 trillion dumps. The House is in a position under Kevin McCarthy or anybody else to stand strong and say the end of this nonsense, to let the American people know what we're voting on, not a million, a bill with a million things on it that you feel like you have to vote for to get one thing, and then you have to go explain why you didn't want the other. Scott, we're not going to be able to run. hide the ball anymore. Yep. Thank you so much, Jody. Scott God Perry, bless thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Each of you, thank you for joining us this evening on Washington Watch. We'll be right back. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, We are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org slash Bible. First Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that verse by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with the prayer guide. To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldview's monthly newsletter, visit frc.org worldview. 
Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose— Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Jody Heiss, filling in today for Tony Perkins. The 118th Congress began earlier this month, as we all know, with the Republicans taking back control of the House of Representatives. And whenever you have a transition like that, uh, there's a new slate of representatives. In this case, no question. We have a new slate of some conservative Congress members that I'm extremely pleased to introduce to Washington Watch viewers and listeners. One of those members is U.S. Representative Andy Ogles. He's been the mayor in uh, Murray County, Tennessee. Uh, He was previously an executive with Abolition International, which is a nonprofit organization uh, that fights human trafficking. He's been an incredible leader on so many fronts, and now he represents the 5th Congressional District of Tennessee. Congressman Ogles, thank you so much for joining us this evening on Washington Watch. Well, uh, thank you very much for having me. Well, listen, I, I love the opportunity to be able to introduce individuals like you to our viewers, our listeners here on Washington Watch. Let's begin, Andy, if we can, just if you would just kind of introduce yourself to our viewers and our listeners. How did God lead you to run for Congress? Yeah, you know, I, I was mayor uh, in Murray County uh, in the state of Tennessee. A uh, uh, county mayor, county executive is, is like a mini governor. And and what happened, and I ran to fix the budget. I'm an economist. I worked in economics, in healthcare, And so the budget of the county was in disrepair. And so I ran to fix it. I did. And so, but during COVID, a lot of the authority rested with the county executives on how to manage it. I refused to comply with any of the mandates. I pushed back against the Biden administration. I pushed back against OSHA and I kept my county open. I left it up to the individual to manage their health care. Uh, not the government. And what happened was, is we became the fastest growing county in the state of Tennessee. And uh, when redistricting occurred, it created an open seat in the state of Tennessee. And uh, as a leader, I was asked if I'd be willing to run, and I did, and the rest is history. It's amazing. It's an amazing story, Andy, and we we welcome you to Congress uh, and and welcome your leadership that you bring. Uh, And you not only push back as the mayor uh, in Tennessee, but when you came to Congress immediately, I mean, first week, listen, I remember uh, clearly my first week in Congress uh, and what a battle that was, but I don't know that it even begins to compare with what you just experienced last week, uh, and I wish we had time to go into more of that, the details, but you were one of the 20 uh, that really have become hero, heroes to change the direction 
of the House of Representatives. But if I can move a little bit further, uh, because just this week, your first week, Republicans, y'all have gotten a lot done. I mean, even advancing some pro-life measures. Uh, And, of course, not everyone on the other side was excited about that. Uh, We have a clip here from Representative uh, Rashid Tlaib as she spoke out against the Republican agenda. And here's what she said. We will have many fights ahead of us, Mr. Speaker, and I will continue to hold the line to push back against policy violence that those that want to continue to inflict on the American people with the extreme right agenda. Wow. Political violence. All right. What's your response to those who say the GOP agenda is some sort of extreme dangerous agenda? You know, uh, during the fight for speaker, uh, you know, I stood up like the other uh, 19 and and fought for a rules package. Right. Uh, When you look at the life of a child, that is far more important. That is far more precious. And if you thought you saw us fighting for rules, wait till you see us fighting for the, the protection of our children, which are unfortunately under assault now in the United States of America. Well, hats off to you again for jumping in literally both feet in the water uh, on your first week in Congress. And you have already proven yourself to be a fighter for conservative causes. And we all uh, just sincerely say thank you for that. Another big issue to you that I want our listeners and viewers to be aware of is this whole battle of human trafficking. Uh, Extremely important to you, as it is to many of us. Tell us a little bit about your role in that particular battle. Yeah, you know, uh, when you look at the southern border, you know, it it gets over-politicized. But what a lot of people don't understand is that 60% of the women and 60% of the children that come across our southern border are sexually assaulted. And when I say children, I mean three- and four-year-old children. Uh, and many times they're, they're, they're sexually assaulted by multiple individuals uh, and in some cases left for dead. And, you know, we've got to shut down the border, whether it's a homeland security issue for you, whether it's the burden that it's putting on local economies, the economic issue, the fentanyl crisis. But even if none of that bothers you, even if you're not concerned about any of that, the fact that little girls and little boys right now are being raped on our southern border should break your heart, should make you stand up, pray to God for relief and protection for those children. And part of that solution is, is closing the border. Absolutely. Uh, well, how, how did you get involved with this? I think a lot of people look at issues like yeah. the human trafficking and the southern border, mainly affecting border towns. Here you are in Tennessee how how did, did this become a uh, an issue right there in Murray County? Well, so, uh, you know, kind of my midlife crisis, I was an intra- entrepreneur early in my career and was successful young. And then, of course, later I went to work for David Koch's political operation and, and worked in as economist to work for Dr. Laffer. But in the middle there, I went into local law enforcement. I was reserve deputy. Uh, and then I went into uh, international sex crimes, which which is obviously human trafficking. And when you look at Nashville and how did I in particular get touched by the issue is is the fact that Nashville is really a crossroads of so many states. You know, we're within six hours of most of the United States of America. And so it's a crossroads for people being trafficked, whether it's through from Florida or uh, the West Coast or, or through the southern border. 
And so it was really a hotbed. Atlanta's another hot area. Uh, and so I, I began working, volunteering my time, and then I ended up becoming chief operating officer. And it was just one of those, uh, I didn't really intend to set out to be so heavily involved in the fight against human trafficking. It just kind of occurred. And I think uh, Lord uh, pricked my heart on this issue. And, and it's one of those issues as we move forward in my career, I'll continue to be involved and raise money to, uh, to help protect children as they're being trafficked, not only here in the United States, but around the globe. Well, Andy, as we go forward, uh, I know many of our folks would like to uh, pray for you. How can people pray for you in particular? Well, I mean, I'm humbled uh, at the request. You know, uh, this takes a lot of toll on not only an individual who's decided to run for office, but, but also the family. And, you know, I'm a husband. I'm the father of three children. And so just to pray for protection and a shield around my family is probably the thing or is the thing that's most near and dear to my heart. Andy Ogles, thank you so much for joining us on Washington Watch. We appreciate it. Thank you so much, Joe. Coming up, we're going to talk about the state's role in fighting for those values. Stay tuned. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. Welcome back to Washington Watch. We appreciate you joining us this evening. I'm your host, Jody Heiss, filling in for Tony Perkins, and I'm the senior advisor to the president at the Family Research Council. But before joining the FRC team, I served eight years as a member of Congress and was, in fact, an original member of the House Freedom Caucus, which probably arguably had perhaps its most prominent public moment this past week. Uh, that was when a core uh, group of uh, Freedom Caucus members led negotiations for the necessary concessions 
for Kevin McCarthy to be elevated to the Speaker of the House, but also negotiations to literally change the environment of how the uh, House of Representatives works. But since its establishment in 2015, the Freedom Caucus, uh, you may not be aware, has now started a state Freedom Caucus network aimed at keeping state legislators in line with conservative principles. And given the recent successes of the House Freedom Caucus in, uh, in Congress, I can't help but imagine that many of those state legislators are emboldened now to take a stand. And joining me to discuss this is Andy Roth. He's the president of the State Freedom Caucus Network. Andy, I want to welcome you to Washington Watch. Glad to have you. Thanks for having me, Jody. It's a pleasure. Well, listen, it's our pleasure, and the uh, work that you're doing probably many people are not aware of. Uh, but first of all, let's begin with your reaction to the overall uh, results, if you will, that were gained by the House Freedom Caucus this past week in Washington. Yeah, before I started the network, I'd been on Capitol Hill for 20 years, and I can say without a doubt that last week was the most inspiring week I've ever had in those 20 years. What the House Freedom Caucus did, what they stood for, was amazing, and they have, to your point, inspired a, a, the entire country, not just the voters, not just the conservative movement, but also the conservative state lawmakers who are fighting in the 50 state capitals, the 50 swamps, as you will. And what House Freedom Caucus did now gave win to their back, and it's just a, been exciting ever since last week to, to work on that effort. Well, let's just go a little bit further in that. I mean, I, I can't help but imagine that you're totally correct in that. The legislators saw what was happening in Washington. They see a group of 20 people uh, and others that are taking a stand. It had to embolden them. As legislators now all across the country are going into session, many of these people had to be emboldened. Uh, first of all, how many state Freedom Caucus chapters, for lack of a better uh, terminology. How many are there and just how emboldened do you believe they're going to be as these various states go into session right now? Yes. Uh, so the State Freedom Caucus Network launched uh, almost a little over a year ago now. And since then, we have been able to uh, spin up uh, 10 State Freedom Caucuses. The first one was in Georgia, your home state. And then we followed that up with Mississippi, South Carolina, and seven others. And let me just give you one example. In South Carolina, the South Carolina Freedom Caucus has been fighting for conservative values left and right. They were able to shut down a transgender clinic, and they didn't have to uh, vote on anything. They didn't propose any bills. It was out of session, and they merely called out a hospital for performing this child abuse and said, we're going to look at your funding. We're going to look at uh, any laws that you may have broken, and we're going to investigate this. And like a cheap suit, the hospital folded and they shut down that clinic. And get this, the Republican leadership in the South Carolina House has been so upset with the South Carolina's Freedom Caucus's behavior that they forced all Republicans in the South Carolina House to sign a so-called loyalty pledge. And the South Carolina Freedom Caucus refused to do so. Part of the pledge uh, prevented them from taking a picture of the vote board on the South Carolina House floor because leadership deemed that to be uh, misinformation. And so there is a big battle right now to kick the South Carolina Freedom Caucus members, all 19 of them, out of the GOP caucus. 
And but the Freedom Caucus is not going to bend. They're not going to break. And they're not breaking because of the inspiration they got from the House Freedom Caucus last week. That's just one example. I can tell you that's others. A, that's amazing. Yeah, it, that's, it's ama been that's amazing, Andy. You know, we've only got a couple of minutes, but we, we focus so much these days on national politicians and to some extent, understandably so. Uh, but government actions are really felt at the state and local level. So explain to our viewers and listeners just how influential state legislatures really can be and, in fact, are. Well, think about it. All of the big issues right now are at the state level. Yes, there are some national issues that we have to worry about. And thankfully, we have the House Freedom Caucus to focus on it. But think about it. After Dobbs, abortion is a big issue. Uh, school choice, election integrity. These are issues that can only be fought in the state capitals. And the, the establishment is well-funded, well-staffed. So are the bureaucracies that run state government. So are the lobbyists. But the lawmakers, they're part-time. A lot of people don't know this, but they're part-time. And that means they don't have all the resources that the establishment has. So what we do is we take our Freedom Caucuses and we give them that support. We give them financial support, staff support, so they can effectively fight back against the establishment on these big issues that we're talking about. Andy, we've got about 30 seconds before we have a hard break. Uh, what would you do to encourage someone who wants to get involved at the state level? Yeah, absolutely. Go to our website at statefreedomcaucus.org. We've got a big map of the United States on the front page of the website. If they see that we have a Freedom Caucus in their state, reach out to those lawmakers. They're listed on our website. You tell them, you know, give them an attaboy. And if you don't see uh, your state on there, reach out to us and ask us how we can help bring one to their state. Andy Roth, thank you so much for joining us this evening on Washington Watch. We appreciate it. Thank you, sir. It's been a pleasure. Coming up, a story of what's happening with the Republican legislatures in South Dakota. Some are rolling over to the transgender ideology. Other people are trying to push back. As soon as we come back, we'll have the whole story. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742 and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. 
with just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text STAND to 67742. That's STAND to 67742. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Jody Heiss, a senior advisor to the president at Family Research Council. Honored to be sitting in today for Tony. And just a reminder, there's still time for you to sign a petition to tell CVS and Walgreens to scrap their plans to turn their pharmacies into abortion businesses. Here's what you can do, and we encourage you to do this. Text the word pharmacy to 67742. That's pharmacy, P-H-A-R-M-A-C-Y, pharmacy to 67742. Once you do that, you'll get a link to sign the petition. We encourage you to do so. All right, on yesterday's program, Tony discussed how a very well-funded effort by the transgender movement has been somehow able to uh, essentially buy legislation in South Dakota, uh, in spite of there even being ostensibly conservative leaders in that deep red state. Uh, In fact, just today, the state's largest employer, Sanford Health, is hosting its third annual Midwest Gender Identity Summit. Uh, But South Dakotans are waking up to what's going on. And given the immense and irreversible harm these transgender procedures cause children, a peaceful demonstration took place outside today's summit. And joining me now to discuss this is Adam Broin. He is the chair of Patriot Ripple Effect, which uh, actually organized today's event. So, Adam, thank you so much for all the work that you have done, and we welcome you to Washington Watch. Thank you. Thanks for having me on your show, Jody. Well, we're glad to have you. Uh, let's uh, let's start uh, just from uh, boots on the ground. Uh, just how did things go today? Uh, went great. It went great. We had, uh, I'd, uh, I'd estimate, about 150 participants in our demonstration, both uh, both standing outside in the cold on a sidewalk. They had to shovel themselves because Sanford didn't bother to clear it. Uh, Crack of dawn in the morning, uh, but it was a beautiful, beautiful event. You know, we had uh, 
plenty of cars in our carcade driving around the block and and and, and a lot of a lot of people wanted to stand up including uh including a freshman uh a freshman representative john hansen i'm sorry uh, john charter john charter wrong john anyways yeah well, you know, uh, the, the uh, for people to come out and participate, even with with the uh, even the weather conditions out there, right there, shows a an enormous amount of uh, commitment. But overall, what would the temperature, if you will, be of South Dakotans in terms of waking up to? I think many of them are realizing that some of their so-called conservative legislators have let them down. Is that an accurate portrayal? Oh, well, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing as a group if if the the political the political folks of South Dakota would truly represent the people. But unfortunately, even though there's great people in our in our state, great people in our government that say a lot of really nice things, the most important conservative legislation seems to always fall through the cracks, not make it through committee, get vetoed for mysterious reasons. And, uh, and and as nice nice of things as conservative things as all these people say, we just have a big problem getting it done. So what's next? What's the next step? I have problems getting it done, uh, but you have a movement. It seems right now that is underway. People are waking up to reality as to what's happening in the legislature. People are fearful of what's happening to their children. Uh, so what's the next step? Where do you go from here? Well, ours ours isn't the only grassroots organization in South Dakota that's sprung up in recent years. There's been there's been a lot of that. And uh with with everything in the national media over the last six years, we've uh we've really started to pay attention and realize that our party isn't doing what they should be doing. To the point which we got a lot of people into precinct committee positions within the party this last election cycle. And tomorrow, our state party is having a vote to attempt to remove the voting rights of everyone at the grassroots level to try and insulate themselves from this newfound energy, this newfound involvement, this new opportunity to make big wins for conservative, conservative choices. Wow. So you've got a lot of plates that are spinning right now. Uh, specific to the the issue here at hand with the whole transgender movement, where do you see this movement going? Uh, are South Dakotans going to be able to uh, put enough pressure on their legislators to put a stop to it? What do you think is going to be the outcome here? Well, in a few days, Bethany Soy, one of the most conservative legislators in this state, is bringing forth a bill that would ban procedures like these that would that would require require hospitals to to do the right thing to take care of kids rather than coerce them into these expensive irreversible decisions you know i uh, i have a tattoo from when i was 18 that that i regret to this day and i can't imagine making a decision like that at 14 but even at this morning's protest we had we had a nurse there who had actually treated a 14-year-old girl in the hospital who had just had a double mastectomy um, for, wow. in, for non-medical reasons related to this. And there's just a lot of, lot of money behind this. There's a lot of money to be made 
with these operations and procedures. So hopefully the people of South Dakota realize this is happening, stand up, make a voice, make their voices heard with their legislators, and, and we get this fantastic health not harm bill passed. Are parents informed when these uh, 14-year-olds, as you referenced, and others similar to them, are having these type of procedures? Are parents informed, or are they left out in the dark? Many times they're left out in the dark, but but we don't know exactly what's going on with this because of all the secrecy that it's shrouded in. Unbelievable. What's uh, next for Patriot Ripple Effect? Uh, what do you have planned coming up? Well, we are pushing back on the state party, trying to cleave itself from the grassroots engagement. We are working to get this legislation, and we're going to be continuing to help support true conservative candidates in our state. And hopefully we can get our party to represent the third most conservative voting population in the nation. Well, Adam, thank you for all that you're doing and uh, for stepping in the gap, not only for these children and parents, your state, but in many regards, the entire nation. We are deeply appreciative. Keep the torch ablaze, my friend, and thank you for joining us on Washington Watch. You're very, very welcome. All right. Uh, many of you uh, watched FRC's Pray Vote Stand broadcast earlier this week, and you'll you recall that one of the items that was talked about was a prayer gathering that literally took place in the House chamber. Amazing. The House chamber at a prayer meeting in the early morning before, in fact, the session that eventually led to the election of Kevin McCarthy as a new Speaker of the House. Uh, and in fact, if you didn't watch uh, that pro vote, uh, pray vote stand, you can do so by simply going to prayvotestand.org and you'll be able to, to personally see what I'm talking about. Well, it's not surprising that uh, that gathering has received virtually zero media attention, at least with the exception of the Washington Stand, which has a report on it that you can also uh, see at washingtonstand.com, and I encourage you to go there. But with me now to talk more about this is Joshua Arnold. He's a staff writer at the Washington Stand. He's the one who actually produced the report. So, Joshua, thank you for the incredible work you're doing, and thank you right now for joining me on Washington Watch. Hi, Jody. Happy to be here. Well, listen, for those who are just now hearing about all of this for the very first time, uh, can you take us back to last Friday, what was going on, and how this whole prayer meeting got started. Just walk us through the events of that, uh, that day last Friday. Absolutely. It's hard to keep track because things were moving so quickly. But at the end of Thursday, there had been 11 votes for speaker, and there had been no progress toward actually choosing one. There were still about 20 Republican holdouts. And so on Friday morning, early before they began the session, uh, members of the Congressional Prayer Caucus... Most people don't even know there is one. But members of the Congressional Prayer Caucus gathered on the House floor down in the well there at the very bottom um, to pray over the day and over the events that would unfold. I was able to um, touch base with several of their offices. And um, Congressman Mike Johnson prayed for unity. Congressman Tim Wahlberg prayed for God's guidance over the affairs of the day. Congressman Greg Stubbe prayed a prayer of confession and um, 
just confessed that the house was under God's authority and and asked him to um, forgive all of the sin that had been committed by the members there. So these were the things um, that set up that day where there were four more votes for, for speaker. And at the end of the day, finally, we had a speaker chosen, Kevin McCarthy, who was elected on the 15th ballot. You know, I have uh, I was actually a part of the Congressional Prayer Caucus uh, while I was there, a member of Congress, and I was still on their thread last week. And when it first went out that they were going to call for prayer on the House floor, uh, in fact, it came out saying our founders, when they were facing crises moments in the early days of our country, they cried out to God first and foremost, and they said, we're going to do the same thing. We're at a crisis. We need divine intervention and it appears to me, Joshua, really divine intervention took place. Would you agree with that? Well, God is in control over everything. So a speaker was elected. God chooses our leaders. I'm certain that that prayer um, had some role to play there because now we can say, look, people prayed and then God answered the prayer and we have a speaker. Um, there's never a situation when something happens and we can say, mm, God didn't really cause that to happen. So. I think that what we should do now actually is uh, thank God and offer prayers of praise and say, look, we prayed and then you answered the prayer. And so let's offer thanks to him for that. Absolutely. Now, you, you had the opportunity to actually speak with some of those members in person. Is that correct? I got comment from their offices. Okay. Yeah. All right. And, and uh, were, were there any comments that, uh, that were particularly striking to you? I mean, just the general um, sentiment from all of them were just, I believe in the power of prayer, is what each and every one of those members said. I think there were well, seven that, that, were, that were on the floor there praying. Okay. Well, there's no question that this speaks on multiple fronts. Uh, and, I, and I hope it speaks a word of encouragement to our viewers and listeners that, uh, number one, there are people in Congress who believe in prayer and they exercise prayer even on the floor of the House of Representatives. Uh, that in itself is something I believe that uh, people need to take encouragement from uh, and realize that it's not just people across the country who are praying for our country, but there are a number of, of representatives who are doing this as well. Uh, but this speaks, as you talked about, Joshua, to the whole issue of prayer and the power of prayer and I, th I think you're spot on right now that this calls for time to say thanks to God for what he did. Uh, how would you encourage people right now who are watching perhaps for the very first time and hearing this story? Uh, what do they need to take away from this? I think the best takeaway is uh, Paul's words in 1 Timothy where he says, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intersections, and thanksgiving be made for all people for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. And so Paul's calling us there, both in the good times and in the bad times, um, before God answers prayer and after God answers prayer, we should pre be praying for our governmental leaders. And we should be uh, praying particularly for those who are Christians, because it's really hard up here to be a Christian, and be praying that they would stand firm in the faith and that they would be faithful to God. Great advice. Great advice. And before I let you go, there, I mean, perhaps I missed it. Uh, if I did, I did. Uh, but 
How much media coverage has there been on this prayer gathering? I personally have not seen anything about it. Yeah, I think C-SPAN had the cameras rolling and a couple people snapped some photos, but there has not been another story on it that I've seen. Wow. Well, what, what basically in the story, the report that you came uh, out with, did, uh, did you say? And uh, again, tell people how they can uh, get hold of that report. You can find the report at WashingtonStand.com. Um, that's where I wrote the piece. And essentially, it just details what went down on that day and um, the power of prayer. Um, you know, we've seen some instances of that happening in many different places in recent days and all sorts of ways across the country. The um, football player who collapsed on the field, people were praying for him, and then he recovered. God really does answer prayer. He really does, and I, that's an excellent point, too. I know uh, I've been in many conversations in different groups of individuals who were talking about that very thing. As the entire nation prays for a football player, the, in many ways the entire nation was praying for our country as well and the encouragement to see that many of our members of Congress were likewise praying, great source of encouragement. Listen, thank you so much, Josh, for joining us on Washington Watch and for all the incredible work that you do. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Thanks, Judy. All right, friends, listen, our time is just about up, and I want to encourage you as we're coming to a weekend. I want to encourage you with all I've got from Romans 12, 21, where the Word tells us, don't be overcome with evil but overcome evil with good. And he goes on in the very next chapter and tells us how to do that by putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. So as we sign off today, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And go shine. Go make a difference. Have a great weekend. Thank you for joining us this evening on Washington Watch. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at one 866 372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.